Welcome to another Dulas Deliberation. I'm Levi Bimba, and today we are going to talk about a quote, actually, from John MacArthur, and then talk about a few verses in Matthew 23. And uh, the topic is false religion and the flesh. Um, John MacArthur has a quote here. He, he says, false religion never restrains the flesh. So these people all operate like the worst of the unregenerate, except it isn't apparent on the surface. False religion can't subdue the wretched heart. That can only be subdued by regeneration, and that only happens by means of gospel truth. So I think it's easy to forget that when we're living in a world of fellow human beings, neighbors, people we meet out in the street or in the market, or at a gas station and we tend to strike up a conversation and have uh, some similarities between us and we find out different things about one another and it's it's fun to learn and and, inter- and it's inter- interesting to meet new people and find out about their lives even for a brief minute or two just to kind of uh, learn that you know there's more to life than your own life and people are out there living their own lives and doing whatever it is that they like to do but when it comes to religion, I think when we are meeting people from different faiths, uh, faiths like a, a Catholic person or a Mormon person or a, a Muslim person, and we see that, hey, you know, they love their family too. They love their children. They work hard. They're honest people. They seem to have a godly character, we would even say. They seem to want to do what's right. And we tend to want to praise them for that and think that, you know, they're like me. I'm a Christian. They may not be a Christian, but they're still living a good life. And but I think this quote from John MacArthur helps us remember that the flesh is not subdued by any kind of false religion. That does not mean any religion out there doesn't produce good works. Now, they may produce works that at least may seem good on the surface, but in the eyes of God are unacceptable. And I think we have a perfect example of that in Matthew 23, where Jesus is talking to the disciples and to the multitude around him. And he says in verse 2, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So there Jesus is saying they have the authority almost of Moses. So whatever they tell you to do, you ought to observe and do it. But don't do after the way they do things, because they say and do not. So Jesus was flat out calling them hypocrites. They say that they that you ought to do one thing and they're doing the other. And he goes into detail about what they do. He says, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. So these, all these things that are done are external things that people see, that the, and especially at that time the Jews were seeing. Oh wow, that's a godly Pharisee. That's a that's a that's a godly scribe. We ought to look up to them. I mean, and 
And Jesus is saying they are just doing these things for that praise. They're just not, they're not doing these do, doing these things to honor God. They're not doing these things because they have a grateful heart for a God that has saved them from their sin and, and delivered them from the punishment of their sin. They're doing this to get garner praise for themselves and to puff themselves up, which is why Jesus says that in verse twelve, "Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be." exalted in verse 12 of Matthew 23. So he's making the point that humility and, uh, and, 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 and humility comes by or comes through a heart that has been regenerated. True humility comes from a heart that realizes that they are not God, that they don't deserve anything but death and hell and judgment. They don't deserve anything from God other than wrath. Humility comes from a heart that has been shown grace by God. But these Pharisees had not been shown grace. They had they were walking in an air of righteousness, of self-righteousness, pointing to their own good works, thinking that they are doing what is right and what is good in their own in the eyes of God, and really they were doing what, what was right and what was good in their own eyes. And Jesus calls them out and and clearly uh um rails against them. In verse 13, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So Jesus, Jesus is saying here clearly that they are not going into the kingdom of heaven, even though they have all these good works externally that, are, that, that seem to be uh, impressive to people around them. Jesus is saying they're not, they're not on their way to heaven, and even more so, because of their perverse doctrine, they are preventing others from entering into heaven as well. He continues again. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Again, they are going over land and sea. They're, you know, most likely going over treacherous places and water and on land to tried to make one disciple and people would look at that and say wow they're they're sacrificing almost or they're almost sacrificing their lives and their comfort to go and convert others to bring them into the faith and jesus is saying all that that all that they're doing they're doing all that they're doing they're doing that and create and when they do that they're creating another person who's just going to be twice the son of hell that they are so they're already on their way to hell and then now they're going to condemn another person doubly so even though their efforts may seem like they're good and, and, and self-sacrificial on the outside, they're not pleasing to God. And again, Jesus continues in Matthew 23, verse 23, where he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone so they're so caught up in the visual of paying tithe I mean, especially in those days when you're paying tithe or pay paying tithe openly uh, you're bringing physical gifts to the, to the altar and people are seeing what you're, what you're giving so they're doing all these things that are external that look good for the population when in reality in the eyes of god they mean nothing they're actually condemning themselves by doing so again jesus continues and he says um, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees in verse 29 
hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses against yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye then up. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape, escape the damnation of hell? So Jesus is clearly showing that they are on their way to hell. Though they have such great works in the eyes of men, though their, their, uh, their system of self-righteousness that they had concocted, they were fulfilling to the max, it seems like. They were at the top of the of the hierarchy hierarchy of righteousness within Jewish society. They were looked at as the standard bearers for true righteousness and holiness and, and, and self-sacrifice for the sake of, for the sake of God. But in reality, they were on their way to hell because their good works mean nothing. So I just want, just wanted to uh, keep that in mind and, and keep that in remembrance for me and for you to remember that good works do not save. Good works do not bring us closer to God. Good works don't show God, uh, don't show, don't mean anything to God as far as earning favor with him. Because he himself says that our righteousnesses are like filthy rags before him. They don't mean anything. All the good works that, that the world does, even those within other religions uh, that uh, do what is seemingly right and do what is good, in the eyes of God, they don't save. They don't bring regeneration. They don't bring life. The only way that we can have true life and, and be accepted by God is to come through Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I am the way in John 14, 6. There is no other way to the Father but through him. You have to repent. You have to lay down your good works. You have to lay down everything you thought you could hold on to to get into heaven. And you have to just say, Lord, I'm coming through faith in your son who loved me and died on the cross for me. And that is my only thing that I'm bringing. And that's the only thing God will accept is if you come through his son, Jesus Christ. So remember, good works do not save. Only faith in Christ Jesus does. Thank you for listening. And I will see you on the next Do Lost Deliberation. Amen.